while you're turning to the book of Isaiah. Preachers sometimes strain to find adequate and appropriate illustrations. The Holy Spirit never encountered that difficulty. The Holy Spirit had a whole world of illustrations in creation. This is what the prophet Isaiah said about God, illustrating God's powers to strengthen his people. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I believe God has so created the world and so well arranged us in the world. We're able to look around and see wonderful things not just for visual pleasure, but as illustrations of divine truth. And the eagle is part of God's world, used in God's word as an illustration. So what can we learn? I had two very good friends who many years ago taught me about this, about eagles and their use by God in nature and in His Word. There was a man by the name of John McCourt, now deceased. He was my co-worker when I preached in the Philippines. And he later wrote a book about eagles. In recent years, I have a friend in the Houston area, Bill Baker, who wrote in a book about God's creatures the various contexts in Scripture where eagles are brought up. It is instructive. Bill Baker said the eagle is mentioned approximately 40 times in the Old and New Testaments in a variety of contexts. The majority use the eagle in a figurative sense, comparing some element of the eagle's physical capabilities or structure to describe events, visions, and sometimes people. In most cases, the description is of a common trait the eagle possesses that when read can be easily understood. In some cases, a more in-depth understanding of the biological traits of the eagle will help us come to a better understanding of the scriptural text. Well, that leads me to make these observations for us tonight from Scripture. Number one, to grow up as an eagle, one must be born an eagle. So obvious, so simple. I'm a little hesitant to make a point of it, but this is true. Cows and canaries will never become eagles. Worms can look up from the mud and greatly admire the power and skill of the eagle in flight, but a worm cannot become an eagle. To grow up to be an eagle, one must be born an eagle. I can say to you, and we can say to our friends, if you are ever going to be a Christian, you must be born again. John chapter 3. 
Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, you may admire Christians. You may see the value in being a Christian. You may believe some of the things Christians believe. You may go to places Christians visit. You may know lots of Christians and hang around them. But to become a Christian, there is a decisive act of obedience. And that's what Jesus calls being born again. That has to happen to become a Christian. It is an individual choice that is made to get out of sin and start obeying God, beginning with immersion in water for the remission of sins. All through the book of Acts, people did this. They heard the message God delivered through the apostles of Christ, the message of salvation in Him. Believing they were lost in sin, they responded being baptized into Christ, born again. Entering the kingdom. The scriptures make that point so clear. You cannot just slip in. You cannot just start hanging around Christians and assume that you are one. We must talk to people about being born into the kingdom. As Jesus says here, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Just as crows cannot be eagles, sinners cannot become Christians except by that spiritual birth process. Jesus spoke of in John chapter 3, illustrated in the activity of those who responded to the gospel all through the book of Acts. Number two. Eagles fly through storms. Before my friend John wrote his book, he interviewed Kim Newman at the Atlanta Zoo, an expert on various kinds of birds, but eagles in particular. And she told John, eagles fly into storms. And while it is painful, the experience strengthens them. There are many birds that fly around storms. Some birds just stay on the ground or in some natural shelter. Eagles fly directly into storms. And while that is a rough ride, the pressure and the experience will make the bird stronger. And she explained to my friend, some of the eagles who live in captivity simply do not have the strength 
of those in the wild because they are deprived of those encounters and storms that strengthen them. What do most of us do when there's something difficult ahead in our lives? Well, we want to deny it, we want to avoid it, escape it, or get somebody else to handle it for us quickly. We sometimes don't fly into the storms with strength in mind. And as a result, we deprive ourselves of the strengthening experience that storms can deliver to us. In Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me take you also to the book of James. In chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing i believe what part of what we're being told in these passages is the value of suffering the value of suffering don't shelter yourself from all difficulty don't walk away from struggle complaining that you just can't do it by faith, God can take you through the storm if you stay with Him and He'll bring you out stronger. People have said something to me that at first sounds very strange. I've heard people say, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, that's not crazy or morbid. What they're saying is, in that battle... I learned to trust God. I learned what is important. I grew closer to my family. I made crucial decisions about my eternal welfare. And this reminds me of the teaching of the Holy Spirit in Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But then the passage tells us what can come from the pain. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. So consider in eternal perspective the pain and hardship we suffer here is only momentary. That momentary difficulty can discipline us and make us stronger. And the profit of being spiritually stronger is of course immense. We need to trust God Fly into those storms knowing that he will bring us through them and make us stronger as long as we stay with him. 
Eagles fly long distances without getting tired. One reason is they've been strengthened by the storms they've been through. But also they are determined to get to their destination. And they are not easily distracted. A few years ago an eagle was tagged in Greenland. Thirteen days later that same eagle was found and identified in New Jersey. Their practice is not to fly a little and rest a little, quit a while and then maybe go back, take in the scenery. They are determined to arrive at their destination. Now, back to Isaiah 40. After the prophet Isaiah told Ezekiel about the Babylonian invasion and the coming exile, he spoke to the king of the people about the hope they could have going into the storm. And that brings us back to Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God enables people who trust in Him to soar, to stay in flight, to overcome the temptations and distractions around us and arrive at our destination long distance without getting tired. Paul said in the Galatian letter, let us not be weary in doing good. Now, you may look at your life and not see the strength of eagles. You may be excited and involved in the things of God. Then you take a vacation for a while. And then conscience strikes a lick at you and you come back and you're not consistent. Eagles are consistent in terms of their dogmatic determination to arrive at their destination. We never do better. We never grow closer to God when we just live life the easiest way, the most comfortable way. To grow closer to God, it takes deliberate pursuit and daily energy and attentiveness so that we go the distance and we reach greater heights. Number four, do you know that eagles help each other? Eagles congregate. They congregate. They fly together through the storms, help each other. Eagles will fly right into a storm in groups. One eagle will fly into the storm to find the strong thermal updrafts. The other eagles will follow. And as they all find their course, they form what is known as a kettle, and they're together. They soar in a counterclockwise motion, and if they were forming their own tornado, that's what it would look like. Together, they become stronger than the storm, reminding us of Philippians 1.27. 
Christians ought to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. Jude said we should contend earnestly for the faith. The New Testament says exhort one another, help the weak, keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Together, helping each other, God can work through us to accomplish great things. Number five, eagles protect their young. It is commonly known that among many wild animals, there's nothing that will provoke a mother like a threat against her young. Eagles exemplify that common trait. When eagles build nests, the primary concern is the safety of their young, not their comfort. They will build high outside the reach of ground-based predators. And when poisons like DDT came into common use, eagles developed a sense about that. And when they saw rodents dead on the ground, they would nest somewhere else. Now who gave them? That intuition, we know. And the science is that eagles developed a smell and taste for poison when it came into existence. And they would stop eating or they would move so that they were taking their young out of the scope of danger. I think if the eagles could speak, they would tell us it's all about the kids. We must not expose our kids to the poison of our culture. We must take the greatest care for the nourishment and health and safety of our children. How much we can learn from God's creatures about the care of our children. What do we expose our children to? What are they involved in? When we are not paying attention, when the eagle eye is not on them, are we letting them play around the poison of our culture? The mother eagles could teach us a lot about the watchful eye of the faithful parent. The protection of our young people should expect from us, we see that protection illustrated by the eagle. Then, eagles know how to die. This is a peculiar and powerful thing. To know you will die, to accept that reality, and never have any resentment about it. In fact, make life plans for it. When an eagle is about to die, the eagle leaves the nest and goes to a great rock or a ledge... The majestic bird positions itself facing the sun and dies. Seems strange to human beings who resist death and fight death and dread death. The eagle is resigned to it. I know somebody who was resigned to it and prepared for it in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, the apostles of Christ had gifts. They were inspired to deliver the message with accuracy. Paul performed miracles to confirm the authenticity of his message. Some of them could speak languages they hadn't learned. But this was not like those things. Paul learned to die by learning to live in Christ. Like the eagle, he knew this would happen. He was ready for it without the gruesome fear and resistance so common among the human race. Paul affirmed in Philippians 1.21, to die is gain. If there's anything Bible believers ought to know and realize, it is this. Life is not going on forever. Paul said on another occasion, our outward man is perishing day by day. James said that life is but a vapor. The further you get down the road, the more you've got in the rear view mirror. And there's not much time left. Arm yourself with the hope of the gospel. Something eagles do not have that we have. Get your mind and life set. Death is not far away. You must be born again. Let's be standing as we sing.